Welcome to episode three of Living in Recovery, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of fellow CPP employees who are living in recovery with an addiction. The focus of this podcast is to share the experiences of those who have struggled with alcohol or drugs in the hopes of breaking the stigma that's often associated with addiction. Also, the goal of this podcast is to stimulate hope amongst those who may be struggling but are discouraged or intimidated by the prospect of seeking help. As a disclaimer, the words expressed in this podcast are based on personal experiences alone and are not meant to be taken as medical advice or to promote one method of treatment. Today, Tim shares his experience of growing up as a family member of someone with an addiction. Tim is a program manager in the Wellness and Resiliency Division of CPP. So Tim, when did you first know there was a problem in your house with alcohol or drugs? Well, uh, uh, thank you for that, Stephanie. When did I first know? I, I think it was years later uh, when I was a child. Uh, both my uh, my dad and my mom were uh, raging alcoholics. And uh, my grandpa, my grandma on my dad's side were raging alcoholics. And my granddad on my mom's side was a raging alcoholic. So for me, that was normal. So that's the that, that's what I thought every kid had in their life. So when did I find out that that was not normal? I, I it was many years uh, after I had actually moved out of the house, joined the Air Force, went to college, and saw uh, alcoholism in, uh, in in other people and realized this wasn't right. This wasn't the normal way people are brought up. So uh, I, I would say it was, gosh, probably when I was getting my bachelor's degree um, and, uh, in Southern Illinois, when I was seeing this, uh, I was dating somebody who was a raging alcoholic. And that's a uh, pattern that people in a family situation have is that we take care of other people. You know, we take care of the family. And I got a lot of clarity on that even years after that. When um, I went into uh, some uh, therapy sessions, uh, when I got married, everything just was really off. My wife uh, was uh, abusing alcohol at the time. We went into therapy and the therapist uh, recommended uh, that I go uh, to Al-Anon and uh, and join up with Al-Anon and talk to other people that were in a similar situation. And when I did that, it uh, really opened up. Uh, my eyes to this is not a normal situation. When you're a kid in it, you don't know anything else. But when you're an adult and you're listening to other adults talk about their same situations, you can you can kind of pick it out and go, whoa, that that's really messed up. I don't want that for my family uh, that that I'm raising. So I would say it didn't uh, occur to me until oh gosh, 2013. And, uh, you know, I'll be turning 50 at the end of this year. And so that's a long time to think that's a normal lifestyle when it actually isn't a normal lifestyle. It's a long time. And what, how long did you go to Al-Anon? Well, I attended uh, in-person Al-Anon meetings probably uh, 2013, 2014. And I was in that for about uh, two or three years. Um, at the time, my wife uh, was uh, on the, uh, what we like to call the, uh, the other room. Uh, she was doing her AA meetings. So we were going through this recovery uh, together. I, I was doing the uh, the in-person stuff uh, for a few years. The group that I went to, 
uh, there was a large age difference and uh, there was a large religious difference um, between me and, uh, and most of the people that were attending. And uh, with Al-Anon, it, it's, they're not really pushing religion at you, which is important for me. But some of the uh, members of there were uh, of a certain religious and political bent that I didn't really agree with, that it was interfering with what I was getting out of Al-Anon. And I was the youngest person there at the ripe old age of, you know, 40, 41. And the next youngest person was in their 60s. So there was a lot of disconnects going on uh, with that. So I, uh, I stopped attending in-person ones, but I did uh, attend. Uh, I did attend. Uh, they have uh, phone uh, meetings that you can uh, that you can go to that are available. They're free. They're available uh, all throughout the day, every day of the week different topics, uh, which are fantastic. And especially when uh, the pandemic hit, a lot of meetings were closed down anyways, or they had to go virtual anyways. So this was, you know, my main source uh, that I, I still use to this day. I don't attend phone meetings every single day, but I know that when I need to attend one, I can go ahead, make the phone call and, and make that happen. The other problem was, is that uh, I was commuting a lot. Uh, I, my commute is an hour and a half from where I'm at to uh, D.C. Uh, each way. So starting a new family, uh, making sure that my wife is you know, having a successful recovery, making sure that I'm having a successful recovery for myself uh, was a real challenge. So I, I, there are options out there for people. Uh, most of the meetings have opened back up in person. Uh, they have a lot of virtual meetings and they have a lot of these phone meetings as well. So like if I'm in between a, you know, a meeting here at work, and I'm not feeling right, and I know I need to get into a meeting, I'll just go ahead and, you know, do some work, do some little bit of multitasking, listen in uh, onto a phone meeting. And usually by the end of that phone meeting, I'm feeling a lot better about what's happening, you know, feeling better in my recovery. If you don't mind, can you talk a little bit about what it was like looking back as a kid? Were there any times that stood out that made you think, there was something happening here that now you realize after attending Elanon was part of that family issue with addiction. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I uh, remember my grandma on uh, my dad's side. I never wanted to give her a kiss. And the reason was she reeked of alcohol and cigarettes. I mean, reeked. I could tell. Now that I'm almost 50, I could tell you what brand of beer she was drinking. She reeked that bad. You know, there was always very violent arguments uh, between my mom and my dad. Um, they, they would come to fisticuffs sometimes. There was violent arguments with my grandparents and my parents. They would come to fisticuffs. You know, there was physical abuse uh, that happened uh, with that. So, you know, when I look back at it, you know, with the help of Al-Anon or with the help of, of a therapist that uh, I go see every month, you know, I can look back at those times and, and I can't, you know, pinpoint um, uh, things necessarily. I can't give you the exact dates that I knew stuff happened. But when I look at, you know, my overall childhood, I can see the impact that it had on me. And then I can see, well, because I grew up in a household like that, the life choices that I made. So, uh, as I said earlier, and I, I uh, dated a, uh, a girl in uh, in college that was a raging alcoholic, 
that's one of the things that uh, as a child of alcoholic parents, we do. We do a lot of caretaking and, you know, we try to uh, alleviate situations. As a kid, you're trying to alleviate situations uh, that adults are causing and, and, and all that. So, you know, you're trying to save people uh, from themselves. Uh, and so I, I saw that pattern happening again and again and again with people that I was dating. And then it finally came to a head when I married a person that was struggling with alcohol. Uh, and we were trying to start a family with one person struggling from alcohol and one person with a lot of experience with, you know, living with uh, alcoholics. And that's not a good way to start a family. I don't recommend it for anybody. Don't do that. What I do recommend is, you know, if you don't go to Al-Anon, um, if you don't, you know, uh, do go that route, uh, definitely have a therapist there to help walk you through it. Um, I, I notice a lot of similarities when I'm talking with my therapist uh, and uh, Al-Anon. And uh, it's great to have, you know, the programs that we have here at CBP where we can, you know, uh, you know we have that, we can have access to that uh, through our EAP program. Uh, but whatever way it is, whatever way uh, you need to go, you need to go that way to help you out first and foremost, and then to help your family members out. It's kind of like the things with uh, in, in airlines. I know we haven't flown a lot uh, in the past couple of years, but uh, back in the day uh, when we're doing uh, the safety checks with uh, with airlines, put the mask on yourself first, and then you can help somebody else out. Same thing I learned in uh, in Al-Anon is that I could detach with love. And when I first heard that in Al-Anon, I was like, well, how do you do that? And that's a big thing that I've learned to do. And it doesn't mean you don't love the person. It does mean that you're not allowing their actions to totally ruin everything and totally impact your life. You are responsible for you. They are responsible for their actions. I can love that person, but I need to, you know, set up good boundaries. And that's another thing is that, you know, when you come up in an alcoholic house, you don't get good boundaries because everything is chaotic. Everything is insane. But I know for me, I'm teaching my children good boundaries to have. I'm, I'm learning from all the mistakes that I went through and I'm going to make more mistakes. I'm going to make beautiful mistakes. I'm going to make magnificent mistakes, um, earth shattering mistakes. But I'm not going to make the same mistakes that my parents made, that my grandparents made. Uh, it's, this is a generational thing. And I decided um, when I started going to Al-Anon that it ends with me. And we closed the chapter on that book of our family history and open up a brand new book where um, we can have health, a healthy relationship. There's going to be bumps along the way. That is life. We know better and we're going to do better. How has your experience growing up that way impacted your viewpoint of or your own use of alcohol or drugs? I used to be a drinker. I, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I was an alcoholic because I saw the damage that it did, the chaos that it caused. In college, I would say that you know I was a normal drinker, um, not a binge drinker. But um, when I got married and when my wife and I decided to go into our own forms of recovery, that's where um, uh, having alcohol stopped completely. It's not in our house, not allowed in our house. You know, if we go visit somebody, we're not going to have a drink. You know, if they have beer or wine there, yeah, no thanks. Uh, you know, we'll have a iced tea or we'll have a soda or we'll have coffee. So that 
uh, part of our life stopped and, and for a good reason because it's part of our recovery that we don't do that i don't miss not having a beer i, I really don't and really never liked the taste of beer anyways because it reminded me of kissing my you know being forced to kiss my grandma who reeked a beer who wants to do that i mean ew. i know the uh, the impacts that i've had in my life on it so I used to uh, smoke like three packs of cigarettes a day through college, you know, so that was my addiction. And when I had kids, I had to you know, stop smoking because that's not a good thing. And I started and I stopped and I understand the addiction cycle. Um, and just recently through Healthier CBP, they had a stop smoking section. And uh, I went ahead through that and uh, haven't had a cigarette since my wife's birthday, which was in July. So, you know, I'm, I'm working through that and I know how to work the steps because I listen to what my wife goes through to, you know, work through her steps. Elanon steps are similar to AA steps. So I have all these tools that uh, I can, you know, I helped myself to stop smoking. I don't go places uh, that have cigarettes. Uh, I don't go to convenience stores anymore. If I go to the gas station, I go get gas. I don't go in the gas station because I know that that's where my group that's where my weakness is. So I don't even go inside those. And you know what? I don't miss it because when you go to the convenience store, you want to get a gallon of milk. It's going to cost you two or three times that amount. So there's no, I have no business going into the convenience store. And so I avoid that. Um, I don't put myself in that position. So uh, that's kind of the benefit yeah, that uh, I've gotten from uh, Al-Anon. And it's put me, you know, it, it uh, helped me to you know, have the steps go ahead and uh, end things in my life that are not healthy for me. Uh, I have uh, better habits now. I go swimming with my girls. Uh, they have swimming lessons. I go swimming on my own. Um, I have a exercise bike that um, Danette, our uh, head uh, healthier CVP person, always, you know, she, she emails me. She's like, Tim, did you get on the bike? Or did you wipe off dust from the bike? So, you know, I have good partners that check in on me, good teammates that check in on me, and I'm open to that. And I check in on my teammates, too. With the experiences that I had being a caretaker uh, for, my, uh, for my family and uh, for the people that uh, I was intimate with, I don't have to be a caretaker for other people. I can just be a positive person that can check on uh, my uh, coworkers and just spread positivity to everyone. Uh, is every day a sunny day? Nope. We have cloudy days, but it makes it easier to have a better positive attitude, doing healthier things for yourself when those cloudy days happen versus, you know, going out and yeah, you have the bad day, go out and have a, a pack of cigarettes or a six pack of beer. That doesn't solve the problem. I'd much rather solve the problem, find a, a way that's going to work for everybody to solve that problem. So that's kind of what I've learned from that kind of stuff. And on those those cloudy days you speak of, what what do you think are are obstacles that that challenge all of those improvements you've made for yourself, all of those self help pieces you've added to your life? What what puts a a ripple in your ability to be positive? Kind of the nature of our job, um, you know, working for the federal government. That um, th that comes with its own uh, set of uh, stressors that, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of unique to federal employees. You know, we're always dealing with some sort of red tape. 
we're always dealing with uh, somebody that is not putting their full effort into things um, you know, for stuff that we're getting paid to do. Before, that used to really, uh, really grind my gears. Um, and I would go out and have, you know, a half pack of cigarettes. And when I got done with it, problem's still there. Didn't solve the problem whatsoever. All that it happened was, now I smell like cigarettes. And, uh, you know, I'm hacking up along and doing, you know, uh, harm to my body. So I'd much rather, you know, if I run into that kind of situation, it's going to affect me. It's going to grind my gears a little bit, but I'm going to find a positive workaround in order to uh, get to the point that the, the issue is solved. Uh, something that I learned in the Air Force um, is that, and that's kind of where I started my smoking habit. Uh, don't recommend it, folks. We were uh, told, you know, if you have a problem, have a solution. If you have a problem, find a way around it. If things aren't working, you know, go you know, try going above it, try going below it, try going to the side. So I used those tactics uh, that I learned from the Air Force and, you know, the, the uh, healthy habits that um, healthier CPP shows and demonstrates. And, you know, just having that, you know, positive mental attitude that I get from, uh, from Al-Anon, getting the tools that I get uh, from my therapist. And, yeah, they are ripples. They're no longer um, crashing waves. They're no longer tidal waves like they used to be. Now they're ripples in a pond. And I can, I can live with a ripple in the pond, you know. Um, if something's not going my way at work, I don't let it live rent-free in my brain. It, it just doesn't, you know, I'm not paid for that. I'm not going to do that. Um, if it's something that is not going to impact somebody's life, uh, then uh, I'm not going to worry about it too much. I'm going to try to get the problem solved. But um, as long as it's not brain surgery or, you know, somebody's going to die tomorrow if I don't get this thing knocked out. Okay. It can wait till tomorrow. It, I can, you know, have a good night's sleep, go do a couple of laps at the pool, let my subconscious think about it. And then eventually a, a, a solution will pop out of the uh, out of the universe and you know, smack me in the face like a like a brick wall and, uh, and I'll be like oh of course why didn't I think of that and then you get the problem solved and everything's good to go knowing the cost of cigarettes knowing that that's not in your budget and that it adds up I I can only imagine that kind of sticks with you also in that subconscious processing you do oh yeah well absolutely I I can tell you right now from uh, 30 years of smoking and the, uh, the uh, increase uh, impacts of cigarettes and the taxes with that, not just, you know, the health, uh, you know, the health problems that happen with that. But if I were to take that money and would have invested it, I would be independently wealthy and probably not talking to you today. A lot of us have uh, a lot of these uh, ne bad habits that we have, negative habits, uh, whatever they are. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, go uh, live uh, like a, a monk, you know, somewhere on a hill and not have, you know, any anything like that at all. You know, a, some of my favorite restaurants in town, they'll come up to me. Hey, would you guys like, you know, a bottle of wine with your dinner? No, thanks. But you know what? I'll have some coffee. And, and we leave it at that. You know, we don't miss that bottle of wine because and, you know, a bottle of wine in moderation. Yeah, has shown health benefits. But you know what? Also, uh, 22 laps in the pool will have the same health benefits for you. 
and I would rather spend, uh, you know, my monthly allowance, if you want to call it that, on a membership at the Y versus a carton of cigarettes. They're not even comparable in price. I know at the Y I pay, oh gosh, 92 bucks a month. No, 75 bucks a month and a carton of cigarettes. That's over 100 bucks a month. And the carton of cigarettes only helps me. That membership to the Y is my whole family. That's four people right there. That, you know, my girls can get swimming lessons. I can, uh, they have a, uh, a, a whirlpool there and a sauna that I can go to when things get really stressful. I'll just, you know, sign out of work, go over to the whirlpool. Not that I do it during duty hours, because I don't. But, you know, I'll go over there and release some stress that way. Um, go lift some weights, go hit a bike. And, you know, it's a lot cheaper and it's a lot healthier for me. So there's there's different uh, coping mechanisms, different strategies. And um, there are options out there. And I'm not a, uh, a licensed clinical therapist. Uh, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the planet. I try not to be the smartest person in the room. I do know that there's different ways, different coping mechanisms. And when you come up in a uh, an alcoholic and abusive family you don't you want you don't learn about those coping mechanisms you learn that hey smoking makes me feel better okay you know and, and then you do that for 30 years you learn that you gotta you have to save everybody you have to save the world well there's not an s on my chest um, and that was a really difficult thing for me to overcome uh, there isn't an s on my chest i'm a batman fan i'm not batman either uh, I can't save everyone, but the first person I have to save is myself, and then I can help out other people and help them turn on the light bulb in their life and help them find the path that they need to go on. Not that I need to tell them to go on a certain path, but just help them turn on that light bulb and go, hey, listen, this might there might be a better way. Let's go search and see what way is going to work for you. It's not going to be my path. I don't want anyone to follow my path. I've already done it and bought the t-shirt. But if I can help other people find the path that they need to go on, that is going to be right for them. Fantastic. I mean, that's that's more that's worth more than all the money that I would have saved if I hadn't smoked cigarettes. You talked about your path and how this was a generational occurrence with your grandparents and then your parents. How do you think you made it out? Of repeating that pattern, I, I can honestly say luck. I got out. I was very lucky uh, to get out of that situation, and it took years and years and years and decades to get out of that situation. But I, I think there might have been a little spark in me somewhere, um, and, and I don't mean to get metaphysical to anybody here, but I, I just think that there was a spark in me that said something's not right. This is not solving your problems. When I was able to see that I was following uh, the same paths, uh, I was repeating the same mistakes. Um, you know, something inside me clicked and said, "You need to um, do something different." So let's find something different that may be healthier. So I, you know, I gave therapy a chance. I was like, eh, "Let me give it a shot." It's, you know, what's it going to hurt? And then uh, the therapist recommended going to Al-Anon, and I was like. Ugh. I really want to sit here in front of all these other people and you know, talk about my issues and listen to their issues. 
And I did that for a while. The group that I was in initially it didn't work out for me. There was age differences and religious and political differences and all that kind of stuff. But then I, I was like, you know what, though? Some of the stuff in there really made sense. So let me find a different Al-Anon group. Let me try these phone meetings. Uh, and it was easier for me because, like I said, I was commuting. So it's, I think, again, not trying to get metaphysical on anybody here, but I think there's a little spark inside all of us. And when it goes off, uh, and, you know, something inside in the back of your head saying, hey, listen, this isn't correct. It probably might be a good idea to listen to that to that little spark and uh, and go explore different avenues that are healthier avenues for you. Whether that be, you know, uh, going health and fitness, whether that uh, be, you know, Al-Anon, a therapist, um, uh, you know, uh, going to a, uh, a church or synagogue or mosque or whatever. Um, uh, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, listening uh, to uh, an atheist or, you know, I'll even throw it out there, you know, the Satanists, um, that, you know, whatever that is for you. Um, as long as it's a healthy thing, as long as it's a positive thing for you, give it a shot um, and, 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 you know, make sure you have people around you, a good network around you of people that are pushing you towards healthy things. And uh, I know it, you know, the division that I work in, we're all about resilience. We're all about health. We're all about, you know, getting our finances in order. You know, we live in that world every day. And I am thankful every day for all of my teammates that I work with. There's some that, you know, are not the most happiest people on the planet. And, you know, I make sure that in our team chats, I leave a joke of the day. I leave a thought of the day. I leave a uh, fun fact of the day. Um, and, you know, I do what I can do. And, and uh, you know, if somebody's going to have a bad attitude all the time, then I leave it be. Then I leave it be. Uh, because I'm not a you know licensed therapist or anything like that, I can't help them out with that. Uh, but I also leave it you know leave the door open. If they want to talk about it, I'm right here on the other side of the screen, happy to do it. If not, I leave it be. You said at one point that you had to switch and put your own oxygen mask on, but there came a point also where you knew you wanted to save people, and you realized you couldn't. When was that distinction made? Was that therapy? Was that Al-Anon? Uh, yes, to all of the above. I, I think uh, some of that happened at different points in my life. Uh, I know Al-Anon um, had, uh, brought up the idea of uh, detach with love. And uh, when I initially heard that, I'm like, how can you do that? How can you detach with love? The best way that I can uh, describe it is that you still love the person. But you don't let their, you set up, you know, what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. And you let them know, you know, this is fine. I can deal with this. But if you cross this line, it is done. And uh, I had to do that, you know, with my wife. You know, I, I let her know that I love you very much, but this is going to be the line that, just so that way, you you know, just so we're both clear, you cross this line, we are done. This will not happen. This will not go. This will not go any farther. I had to do that with uh, some friends of mine uh, out 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 west. You know, they they would be drunk and 
be you know really upset and uh, they would you know call me up at three in the morning well luckily i was up at three in the morning because i have twin girls um and, and they were infants at the time but you know it kept on happening and i called them up and i said listen if you have an issue don't call me at three in the morning i'm tired i'm getting some sleep i'm taking care of my family here is where you need to call in order to get help you can call me the next day and tell me how it went or if you need you know uh, if you need a reference to something like that. But um, first I had to learn that, you know, um, I need to develop those boundaries. They're not necessarily walls, they're boundaries. And then I had to enforce those boundaries. Um, so I was able to detach with love. And then after doing that for a while, then that's when I knew I'm not Superman. I can't save everybody. It's not my job to save everybody. We all have our own path that we need to go. So that was uh, later on after um, learning how to detach with love. So it kind of goes with uh, the spark, detach with love, and then learn not to be Superman. Um, that That's kind of my path. Uh, that's the way I learned how to do it. Uh, it worked for me. Other people, they're going to learn not to be Superman. And then they'll learn how to detach with love, and then that spark will go off because of that. Um, just the way my path went, that's the order that, uh, that happened with me. If somebody listens to this podcast who had a similar situation or you knew that there was a kid going through the same thing you went through, what advice would you have for them? I, and I would even extend it to, you know, uh, any of our employees that, you know, have gone and were brought up in a, uh, an alcoholic household, realize that that is not the normal way of things. That's not what, and I don't know if there's a such thing as a normal household. And I use huge quotes on that. And I know everyone can see it through their headphones, but realize that that's not a normal situation. And because you're, you were in that really weird situation, that not normal situation, you learned habits to cope with it. Those habits, more than likely, some of them may be healthy habits. Some of them may not be healthy habits. But you need to uh, look at uh, your life and what you've learned from that. And uh, if it's you know not a healthy habit, if you're you know smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, if you're trying to save the world and getting frustrated from it, you're not going to be able to help anybody out unless you help yourself first. Would I recommend that they go to Al-Anon? Yeah, you might want to give it a shot. Um, it may not be for you. Um, there's different ways you can go about doing that. I'm not here championing, uh, you know, one one uh, method of treatment over the other. But give it a shot. I'd say go talk to a therapist um, or go talk to, um, you know, a religious figure that you trust or maybe a teacher uh, that you had in the past that you trust. Uh, I, I'm sure if you look back through your history, you're going to find people that had you know, have tapped you on the shoulder politely and said, hey, this isn't right, that you may have blown off. Go talk to that person. Go, well, what part of it wasn't right? Uh, and they may be able to uh, guide you onto uh, the path that you may need to be on. But, um, you know, I would really, if you came up in a household like that, go and, and reach out for that help, even if you don't think you need it. I didn't think I needed it for 40 years. And, um, uh, you know, I'm not the sharpest box in the, uh, I'm not the sharpest crayon on the box, but um, I'm a fairly intelligent person. But uh, because of 
what I thought was normal, that put a lot of blinders on me. When I figured out it wasn't normal, I've been, you know, uh, you know, trying to improve myself in all aspects of my life. Am I a perfect person? Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. But uh, am I a better person uh, than I was 10, 15, 20 years ago? Absolutely, without a doubt. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't change uh, some of those uh, old beliefs, old patterns. I would not be here today talking to you. And, um, and, and part of the thing is, is, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing the steps with Al-Anon, you're also doing the similar steps with AA. One of the last steps is to, you know, go and mentor and help other, you know, the last steps is to help other people out, uh, that are struggling. And so this is part of my step. This is part of my process. This is part of, um, a step in my recovery. And, you know, I'm not the, pro- the one with the problem with alcohol or drugs. I had a problem with cigarettes. I still do. Um, and that's a continual recovery kind of thing. But because of, you know, where I grew up and the situation that I grew up in, yeah, I'm going to be in recovery probably for the rest of my life. But you know what? That recovery, I kind of switch it on its head and go improvement. Because um, when I first heard the word recovery, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Oh. But uh, like I said, I switched that. I, I even switched that viewpoint and go, you know what? I'm going to be on an improvement trajectory for the rest of my life. And these are the things I'm going to be doing to improve myself and my family and and my community and in my world. So uh, that's what I would tell people that, you know, if you're uh, experiencing that, if you've had experiences similar to that, give that a shot for yourself. Go ahead and reach out and make that, make that call, make that email, whatever you need to do, reach out for somebody. Uh, there are people out there that will help. That's all of my questions. Is there anything else you want to say? We have a lot of great resources here at CBP. Great uh, ways that you can uh, get help that you need. The thing that um, these resources can't do is read your mind. Uh, none of us can read your mind. Yeah, I, I, I do the financial wellness kind of stuff, but I don't know, um, you, know you know, what's in your bank account. I don't want to know what's in your bank account, but it, you know, if you're struggling with something and you don't see a solution, you know, and we'll just stick on financial wellness for a moment. You're struggling financially with something and you don't try to improve the situation. Guess what? You're going to struggle with that today, tomorrow, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now into retirement. You may not be able to retire because you didn't handle your financial situation, handle your business. We have uh, programs out here to give you a hand. And um, I know that there is a certain mentality of uh, we don't ask for help. Well, and, and some people go, well, real men don't ask for help. Guess what? I'm a real man and I ask for help. And I ask for help from my team and they give it to me. I ask for help from my boss and they give it to me. And I use the programs that we have available here for us. And a lot of them are free and and I use it. So uh, it's out there for you to use it. We can't read your mind. We can help you. We can direct you, but we can't read your mind.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Living in Recovery. If you or someone you know needs help, reach out to the Employee Assistance Program to reach a licensed professional counselor at 1-800-755-7002. For additional resources related to the Substance and Alcohol Misuse Prevention Program, please visit the CBP Wellness and Resilience Programs page on CBPNet. You can also send questions directly to CBP Resilience at cbp.dhs.gov.